Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. It's for my first time on the new set, by the way, believe it or not. It I have is, not been on since last Monday. It is so cool, John. And and obviously, John had a lot to do with this. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Well, yeah, but, but... I didn't design it or stick it. It's not, it's not just the NY that I like, but I love the fact that... I don't know if you folks can really get a good look at it on your computer screen, but that is like the image of the stadium that is in the background of this nice navy blue wallpaper. It's really cool. Yeah, Matt Swenson, one of our graphics guys, worked with Doug Murphy to get this done. Mike Beckton helped set up all the shots and everything with our lighting apparatus. Pearson, of course, was integral in all that as well. So good job, everybody, getting the new set. We're very excited. Uh, we have maybe one or two more little tweaks as we go along, but this is pretty much what it's going to be. So we're rocking and rolling, and we're excited to be here. Uh, camp's a busy time, which is why I really haven't been on in a week's time. Just had a lot going on. But I thought, Paul, given that today's a day off, and yesterday was the first day of pads, we can review yesterday, okay. and then we can kind of just give our general impression of the first six practices of camp and kind of see where we're at sure. and where the Giants are headed. And, of course, we will get to your phone call, so get in. Give us a call at 201-939-4513. So I guess, Paul, makes sense for us to start with yesterday, the first pad of practice. So it was mm-hmm. just around 90 minutes. It wasn't a long one. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly... You saw the impact of pads in the early part of practice with our first set of offensive line, defensive linemen, one-on-ones, and the first set of nine-on-sevens we've seen so far in practice. Because we've seen other coaches do O-line, D-line, one-on-ones without pads. We've seen other, in fact, I think every other coach that's been here has done those without pads. Brian Dable doesn't, so we didn't get our first set of that until last night. So I'll let you start. Give me your first big takeaway either player-wise or, or what you saw from the padded portion of practice yesterday that was significant? Well, I thought it was clear that in the first padded, the defense was much better off than the offense was yesterday. See, I thought the offensive line did a good job in the one-on-ones. I was not overly impressed. I thought that the uh, backups in particular had a tough time. I thought that they did something very bold. They told John Michael Schmitz get in there for the first time and try to take on Dexter Lawrence. He got beat on both. Oh, both he didn't reps. get beat? I felt he got beat on both He reps. stayed in front of him and he got slowly backed up. I mean, you didn't Slowly? Ex- I mean, you didn't expect John Michael Schmitz to anchor and no, but stun see, I, Dexter I, Lawrence, did you? I like He outweighs him by 50 pounds. I, you know, I, I grade them as I would um, a, uh, a wrestling match. It becomes... The defensive player goes against the offensive player in the one-on-one, and one guy defeats the other guy. Either it's a win or it's a loss or it's a draw. Um, no, Dexter that, Lawrence won the reps. but He won look, both reps. But there's no way for John Michael Schmitz to win those reps. 
Well, that's the point. There's zero chance. See, so why? So why are you digging him for it? No, then? no, no. I'm, I want to make it clear because you, you you jumped quick. Okay, sorry. I'm not digging him for it. I think what they did on purpose. I suspect the coaching staff told Dexter Lawrence, "Come out like a can of gasoline," because he went hard and heavy, drove John Michael Schmitz back into the quarterback twice, and I think they want to see how John Michael Schmitz reacts to that. How will he come out the next time he's got pads on? I was talking to one of the scouts, and he said, you're right. He said, what, what the most important thing is not that he got beat on those two reps. The most important thing is how does he progress from there? Because when you give him a Pro Bowl player right out of the gate and you know he can't win it, how will he improve himself? They gave him a measuring stick to where John Michael Schmitz now understands, wow, that's the best of the best in the league, and that's how far I'm eventually going to have to get to. So how will he progress now? I'll be watching him every step of the way now for the next month to see if he incrementally gets better and better and better until he plays the Cowboys. See, I will say this. I would not expect any offensive lineman on the Giants, except for maybe Andrew Thomas, to be able to not let Dexter Lawrence do that. Because he's that good. Yeah, so that's why, to me, I'm— that's not me saying John Michael Schmidt lost the rep. That, that, to me, if Dexter Lawrence shoves him aside and runs past him or Rip moves through him and gets a straight line to the quarterback, Dexter Lawrence didn't get past him. Dexter Lawrence just backed him up. It's a loss for me. No, well, it's a loss, but he can't stop him from doing no, that. No, it's, no, no. <laughs> I understand. It's like a vehicle coming in my direction. It's virtually... And say, John, can you stop that car moving 10 miles an hour with See, just using your brute strength? And you know what? My butt's going to get run over. Right. There's not much I can no, do. No, there's no that. doubt. You know you know, he's going to lose both of those reps, and he did, but the, it's a teaching tool. Right. The point is you're more interested in how he responds and develops and moves on from it. You know right. he's going to lose both reps, and he did. Right. So I, I agree with that. So I guess my question for you, what's what's the lesson? He can't change anything to win those reps. Oh, yeah. The, the, le- the lesson is now that he has felt the quickness, the power, and the craftiness of what Dexter Lawrence did besides just the pure physicality, he now says to himself, okay, this is the NFL. This is as good as it's going to get. All right. Now, how do I gauge that? And what can I possibly do to give myself a chance to compete against somebody who has so much more experience than I do, who has so much more power and size than I do, and has so much more to offer than I do because he's an all-NFL player, second team albeit, compared to me, I'm a rookie just stepping on the field for the first time. That's the whole point of putting him in there in 30 feet of water and telling him you're going to drown today. That's the point of it. Right, I get it, but my and this is the last and then I'll drop it. My okay. point is that if tomorrow they say you're going one-on-one against Dexter Lawrence Probably again, won't do much tomorrow. I want to watch the next month. How how will he do in over the next weeks, month? They could say you're going one-on-one with Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence is still going to back him up into the quarterback. I would hope that after a month or so that that Mike John Michael Schmitz has learned a little something about what he might be able to do to make it a little bit more difficult. Right, but, he still may lose the rep. Right, because my point is but that he will do better. I think if you put I J- think he'll do I better. think if you put Jason Kelsey in front of Dexter Lawrence and he has no help at 298 pounds and Dexter Lawrence gets a one-on-one to go straight into Jason Kelsey, you know where Jason Kelsey's going? He's going backwards. He's outweighed by 55 pounds. It's just the it's it's physics. Quentin Nelson last year. 
Yeah, for exactly, Corey right? Nelson got abused by Dexter last year. I mean, look at uh, Bradbury in the two Vikings yeah. games. I mean, he just he just doesn't. He Again, can't it's do not it. so much right. that he lost the reps; right. it's what he will take from them as he progresses. Because right. most most nose tackles in this league are not Dexter Lawrence. Oh, correct. So Absolutely. if you if you give him the, the 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 colossal giant right out of the box, you're also telling uh, the rookie this is as good as it gets. Chances are, if you can at least start working along those frames of references from those snaps, you will have an easier time against other guys in this league who aren't that good. Giving him a frame of reference, absolutely. I'm it's with you on that, that. That's important. And that's fine. Anyway. Um, Andrew Thomas won both his reps. He was very two good. 2-0. Oh. I had him 2-0. Oh. He did really well. Yep. Um, Evan Neal, I thought, had a really good first rep against Aziz Ojolari. He ran him past the quarterback. Yep. And then Thibodeau kind of got him inside on the second one. I had bit. him at 1-1. One one. Right. There you go. Um, I thought Bredesen had two really good reps at center when he took his two reps. Now, uh, of course, the the difference is that he was not going up against Dexter Lawrence. No. <laughs> no. But he had two really good reps at center, I thought. Josh Azudu's first rep at left guard uh, was good against Ryder Anderson. Yes. From what I saw, uh, Jack Anderson, I thought, had a good rep later in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Williams, I thought, won both his reps. He had a couple yep. rip moves to get I to the quarterback. I had two and out for Leonard Williams, too. Um, and that's those are the main ones I kind of— Andrew uh, Thomas was the only 2-0 uh, offensive lineman, though. He was 2-0. I didn't have anybody else 2-0. I had Bredesen at 2-0. Uh, I had Bredesen 1-0-1. Uh, I had a draw and a win. Okay. And, oh, I should point out um, Tom and Fox put Tyree Phillips on his keister on uh, which was pro- Fox, probably the most impressive rush of that the was entire nice. group. Yes. That was nice. I wasn't sure if he was offside. Yeah, I couldn't tell from He jumped quick. That. He jumped quick, and I wasn't sure if he was a tad ahead, so I didn't like gloat about it. But he got he got off the line very quick. Yeah, so uh, that was my main takeaways from that. And then I thought a nine and seven. Um, I thought they ran a couple of the gap and power plays that they ran. I thought were nice. Azudu had a good pull when they ran right in their first run mm-hmm. behind uh, Neil Glowinski and Schmitz. And Barkley had what would have been at least a 10-yard run on that play. Then I thought two plays later, the other thing that really jumped out to me, I thought Darren Beavers, Darian Beavers made a really nice play on a little outside zone to the left where he kind of met Barkley in the hole for what would have been a loss. I wrote uh, that there were three guys during the course of the day who I just generally thought performed very well. Beavers was one. Bobby Okereke was another. And I thought Aziz Ojolari had his second straight really good practice. Uh, in general. Yeah, I, I thought it was July was better in the 11-on-11 team portion I agree. later on. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. But another good day for him at the end of the day. It, it's a good grade. So He did and not that, win either one of his two pass rushing snaps so, uh, in the one-on-ones. What did I have? Neil I beat ha- him, I thought, the first time, and then I thought Andrew Thomas shut him down on the second. Uh, I had that correct. Yeah. I had him 0 for 2. But, again, on the whole for the day, I thought that Ojolari had a good day. The pursuit, by the way, of Beavers really makes me happy. Because after coming back from that serious, serious leg injury last year, his mobility does not appear to be affected at all, John. He gets, he's getting around out there fine. And he really finds a way to weave through traffic. You know, we saw it last summer until he got hurt in the preseason. And I'm seeing it again this year. He finds ways to avoid the laundry. He's got good vision. He has a nose for the football. And he understands the flow of the play. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the way Beavers is coming along. Yeah, no, I think Beavers has done well. He's been kind of rotating with Micah McFadden mm-hmm. with those first team snaps next to Bobby Okereke. So that's something we've been seeing a little bit. And some of the 11-on-11 stuff, 
Uh, Trey Hawkins had a couple more pass breakups. Yeah, one did. one was on a pass where I thought he was beat, and the pass was thrown a little bit behind the receiver, so it gave him a chance to little recover. A little bit. That was on the deep one, the Hyatt. Yep. Um, in terms of yesterday, you mentioned Ojolari. He had a nice play on a read option in the backfield. He got pressure on another one. Uh, let's see. I printed out my practice report from yesterday. Anything else jump out at me in terms of uh, players? Um, Nacho, I thought, had a couple nice stops the last couple days of practice since he came back. And he's very, he's, he lets people know about it when, when he makes a good two, when He, makes a good play <laughs> he two, is very animated. Yes, he, he definitely lets people know. Now, what's we going haven't on. seen Hottie Ward on the field the last couple of days. No. Coach says he's a little bit nicked, and so they've been giving him some time off. Could you imagine Nacho and Hottie oh Ward gosh. on the field at the same time? Can't get a word in. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins <laughs> almost made an acrobatic jump and catch on the sideline, but he only got one foot in. Trey Hawkins kind of nudged him out of bounds before he yep. could get that second foot in. Yep. Uh, Barkley caught a screen pass, made a guy missing for, I think, what would have been a a pretty big gain. Uh, I think that was the play. And the de- at the end of it, Dexter Lawrence kind of picked them up and twirled them around like mm-hmm. a like a small child, which I thought was entertaining. Um, he can do that, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, and then he can do I whatever think, he wants. And then is I'll what just, he can do. And then I'll just. I think those are my takeaways from yesterday, Paul. If you have any others, and I'll just kind of give my my main thoughts from camp so far. Well, the other the other items that I wrote down, uh, I had um, uh, McKinney had a pass defense on uh, Waller. Yeah, and and Waller. Folks, you know, we've been talking about this, and it's only because you don't get to see him every day. Being that he was with the Raiders for, for several years, we all know how good Waller is. So I don't want to sit here and say, wow, we're just shocked at how great this guy. We know he's terrific. He is a top five, perhaps top three tight end in this game in terms of his ability in the passing uh, uh, aspect of the game. Sure. So we know that. But every day, he goes out and proves it. He doesn't drop passes, although he, he has had one so far during camp. One. Uh, and on this particular play, McKinney did the unthinkable. He actually covered him tightly and was able to knock the ball out of his hands. It was actually hands. one of those back shoulder throws. That it was amazing so to me. He, yeah, it was amazing to me. Yeah. Because I haven't seen any defensive back knock a ball out of Waller's hands. No, Waller hands. has done most, has won, won, won most of those quote-unquote 50-50 ball situations. So I had that one. I had Evans on a, on a pass defense against yep. a Colin Johnson. Yep was the other item that I mentioned as one of the plays of the day. And that was about it. Yep, I agree. All right, in terms of major takeaways from camp, and again, then we'll get to your calls at 201-939-4513. One thing that I've been surprised about, I know you talked at length about Trey Hawkins on yesterday's show, so I'll just say I agree with pretty much everything you said. He's played well, need to see him against more starters, need to see more, want to see him in... A guy like him, the joint practices next week is important. How does he do against another team where you don't know the personnel, you don't know the plays? And I went back on Monday morning, and I said, you know what, let me refresh myself. So I went back and I watched some of his old Dominion tape again. And the one thing that jumped out at me from the old Dominion tape is that he was able to hang with guys. Like, he would run with them, mm-hmm. but he wasn't very good at the catch point at ODU. Like, he would be close to the guys, but the guy would invariably catch the ball on him. So, if he could figure that part out of it, he certainly has the traits, I think, to, to do well. But again, that's kind of I want to see more situation. The other guy I'll throw out there is another rookie. Jalen Hyatt, to me, is further along than I thought he would. I'm not that surprised by him catching some of those, you know, deep, you know, the the deep over routes, the flag routes, the posts, the flies, and those type of routes deep down the field. That's what he does. He's really fast. So yes. I expected that. That's not surprising. That isn't what raises my eyebrows. He has caught, and one play that jumped out to me, I believe it was in Monday's practice this week. He ran a pretty sharp out route on his way out of bounds. Daniel Jones squeezed it over the head of Adoree Jackson 
in front of Xavier McKinney in that little hole between the corner and safety. I remember. And yep. he made a really tough hands catch, reaching his hands out, and dragged his back foot to get it in. Mm -hmm. And it was the type of polished wide receiver route and catch that I wasn't quite sure he was... I didn't see him do that at Tennessee enough for me to believe that he could do those sorts of things he right didn't away. He have to. He was always so open. 100%. <laughs> so he's shown me enough where he's probably a little bit further along than I thought he would be, and I think that's why he's earned, when they go with the first team, he's getting like one out of every three, sometimes one out of every two reps, depending on what period it is, and, and I think he's made the most of his opportunities. What I'm impressed about with him, John, and we had talked a few weeks ago how he had mentioned to me he had gained at least 10 pounds, uh, was hoping to gain even a little bit more by the time opening day came around. What did he say he was at? Uh, he said, well, he was 175. He wants to play at 180. He was at about one. Uh, no, no, he wants to play at 190. He was at 175. He was at 185. He wanted to play at 190 by the time the Cowboys game came. What impresses me... Very tough to gain weight during camp, but he I know. Luck, good luck to him. I know. But here's the thing. Even with the extra poundage that he's put on since he got out of Tennessee, he can still become a puff of smoke. That's what impresses me. He put on the 10 pounds since he left the Vols, and the speed has not been hurt at all. I mean, they said the other day that he was clocked at 24 miles an hour uh, on the GPS device. So, and that's, that's very fast, by the way. That's extremely fast. That would be the fastest of anybody last year yeah, in the for NFL. Yeah, for example, when we were at the Senior Bowl this year, the fastest guy was like 23. So it's he's fast. So the weight has not impeded his ability to get out of there. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's impressive to me. Absolutely, and I think uh, that's a good sign that he's probably you know doing a little bit more quicker than maybe some of us thought he'd be able yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, I totally so. agree. I totally agree. Um, I am interested, not so much with Hawkins, is them trying to figure out this first-team slot position mm -hmm. because I don't believe anyone's seized that job, to be honest with you. Yeah. No one has done enough to me, and, and I think, based on what we've seen, that, all right, you put Hawkins outside with the ones, you move Dory Jackson inside— Maybe that's the way the coaches saw it too. So they're trying to try to trying to figure out different options there for what they can do. Because you get maybe the best slot receiver in all of football in week one in C D Lamb and you want to have someone out there that can cover him. Yes, um, you do. Otherwise you're gonna have to throw doubles at him, then you're gonna have, you know, Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup running around. So you don't wanna to have to do that. But I think that to me is probably one of the things this coaching staff is still trying to figure out what that slot position is going to look like with the first team in week one. Darnay Holmes has the most accomplished resume of the guys who's done that. Well, the most snaps. Yeah. And, and, and he's been inconsistent during the course of his career. No one is pulling any punches on that. But no one else has taken that job by the throat, to your point. Cordell Flotts had some chances there. Zion Gilbert's had some chances McCain there. McCain had a few reps at, earlier in practice about it. Yeah, and McCain was actually with uh, you know, in, in the slot with the twos the other day. Yeah, mm -hmm. so so they've tried a number of guys in there. And you mentioned Adoree was in there for, for a little bit lately, too. I believe, I've said this earlier, and I'm gonna, I, 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 nothing's changed my mind. I think Wink Martindale is going to enhance his kaleidoscope defense. And I think that in certain matchups, in certain weeks, maybe even in certain halves of games, he is going to interchange guys. You know, like like you said, Jackson is a boundary guy. And all of a sudden, we've seen him now playing some slot corner. He's never done that before, not to my knowledge at all. 
But I think Wink wants to be able to say on any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday, uh, guess what, guys? We're going that way. And let the defense, let the offense deal with his matchup issues because he wants to. I really believe he wants to have interchangeable DBs. He wa- and, and on offense, the Giants want to have interchangeable wide receivers. I really believe that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and wide receiver, I mean, I think we've seen slot and outside roles fairly defined early, to well, be honest with you. You know what? Campbell's done both. I've seen yeah, Campbell hasn't been outside very much. Not as much, not but he's much done both. He's done both. Mm-hmm. I've seen them occasionally have Hodgins inside. I've seen them occasionally yeah, maybe with motion, but if he's on the field with either Campbell or Beasley, he's he's, right. he's outside. I agree. Right. I agree. But there have been plays where they have had different looks in different spots. I mean, folks, I, I look, I'm not I'm not giving out any secrets when I say this because I'm not going to give you the formation. But there was a play they ran yesterday with all three tight ends. I don't know if you caught that one. Mm-hmm. Three tight ends. All right? I'm not going to tell you where they lined up. Well, if one's Waller's one cager, then it's you, you, you don't necessarily have to line up in a jumbo formation if you're going to do that. But this, this is what we're talking about. They want to have the ability to expand the options and the looks and the combinations to where I'm not saying you're going to see a lot necessarily of some of these off-balance type formations, but I think you will see them on occasion, depending on the matchup. That's what I'm saying. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> 201-939-4513. We got a full bank of calls. So let's get to it. Folks, go subscribe to the John Soto Podcast. Long-form interviews, players, coaches, media people. Uh, Ian Rappaport. Is it up yet, Pearson, or not yet? It is. Ian Rappaport's up there today. I interviewed him yesterday. Uh, Monday show was with Warren Sharp, who does a great job uh, doing his analytics and other statistical breakdowns of, of the whole league in his preview book. Really good, interesting stuff, going, kind of going inside some of the data with the Giants with that one on Monday. So make sure you go check those out. We have a bunch of interviews coming with some Giants alumni that have been here over the course of the last couple weeks. David Tyree, Richie, Sy- Richie Soybert, um, R.W. McCorders, among others. So make sure you stay tuned to the Giants Huddle Podcast for that. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Giants.com slash podcast, or go to your favorite podcast platform. And if you're an Apple podcast, for the Huddle, for Big Blue Kickoff, leave that five-star positive review. It really helps us out. If you want to send us what you wrote in the review on Twitter, we can always uh, have fun with it and make fun of people that you might tease or so (laughs) in that review. 201-939-4513. We'll take calls on camp, giants, whatever else you want to talk about. 
Let's lead off our first caller of the show is Coach Marvin in Delaware. Hey, Coach Marvin. How you doing, John and Paul? What's Hi. up, Coach? How you been? John, I haven't seen you in a while, seems like. Yeah, I've been on since last Monday. Just a lot of stuff going on at camp and just haven't had a chance to come on. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome back home. Yep. Um, uh, I was just going to comment on your first conversation about uh, um, – John Michael Schmidt and uh, Dexter Lawrence, um, and, and you both have good points, and I don't think either one of you wrong, but I kind of follow Paul when I'm talking about winning and losing because um, I want to see if that player can – if someone like uh, like uh, John Michael Schmidt was on my team, I would have confidence – I would really want to see him against my best player. And I'll put it to a test. And I want to see how he handles that. And I think that's – I'm kind of like look at it the same way Paul. Uh, but Paul just added win and losing. But I just want to see how he handles him and if he can handle it. And then it's a measuring stick. Yeah, and so, Coach, and that's the thing. Like, I agree with – I would have put him up against Dexter yeah. Lawrence too. I think that's what you have to do. But for me, it's, it's the way you win or lose the rep. Like, there could have been right. a way Dexter Lawrence won that rep that embarrassed the rookie. And he got knocked down. He got by him in a second. And the quarterback would have got murdered. It – it was not an easy win for Dexter Lawrence, at least in my opinion. He didn't blow past the uh-huh. rookie. He didn't just shove him aside. He just slowly backed him up into the pocket, which is when you're one-on-one with a man that's 50 pounds heavier than you, that's inevitably going right. to happen. He's a big dude. Right. Yeah, and that's why I understood both. I understand both the outsides, and I agree with that also. Like, you, you both can be right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and with Paul, I, I probably, depending on how, how – Paul envision it, and I could envision it the same way. I would, I can some at times it can look fine to some, but to me, I would be like, uh, he looked a little dominated a little bit there, but I he held his own while he was being dominated. Yeah, and and, and, and that's where I think Paul and I disagree. I think Paul felt like Schmitz was dominated a little bit more than I did. That's yeah, fair. And that's all. That's all that. That's all that is. And I, and I love those kind of tests, and those are the tests I usually would have, and I would even do it in an exhibition game, and there was dimes. I'm playing, we're having a scrimmage against a team, and I know what the play's going to be while they're in the huddle. I walk in front of the front defensive line of the other team, and I'll whisper to the kid, we're coming this way. Yeah. I'll let them know, we're coming this way. Mm-hmm. And I want to see if how my team's going to handle somebody that knows we're running the ball and which direction we're going. So I just want to see how they handle it. It doesn't even matter how many yards we get. I just want to see what they do when they plan against a team that knows exactly what they're doing. And and I would do that at times. Coach, next week when the Giants face off against the Lions on Tuesday and Thursday, Isaiah Bugs is the nose tackle out of Alabama who plays for the Lions. Uh, I don't know much about him at all other than he's a tad over six feet and 335 pounds. So he Mm -hmm. is short, stocky, and wide. But I don't know anything about him as a player. It will be interesting to see how John Michael Schmitz goes up against him when they have those reps against another team. Because he is not Dexter Lawrence, obviously. I was just going to say that he's not on the same level. They have another really good defensive tackle. Who is it? I have to look that up. I'll look it up right now. Go ahead, Doug. Go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry. Uh, um, 
I have another question. Um, as far as the receipts, I think the kid named Pimpleton. He was with the, I think the Lions. Yeah. Last year. Yeah, Pimpleton. Was, I know. Yep. I, I remember him from uh, Hard Knocks. He was on um, mm-hmm. Hard Knocks. Yeah, he was on. He's Hard a kick Knocks. returner too. And I seen him. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I saw his film before Hard Knocks, but during that draft, and I think he ran like three punts or two punt kickoffs back and a mm-hmm. punt back one game. Yeah, it, it was a, a, an Correct. amazing game he had. And I don't know, and I'm wondering how have he performed and have they tried him out in, as, uh, in special teams? Yeah, he's been one of the rotating return guys, but he was on the practice squad all of last year. And mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, he hasn't separated himself from the pack. Okay, okay. All right, guys, that's probably all I had today. Uh, I'll have something this summer for you anyway um, that I like to talk about. But um, I'll keep listening, and it's good to have you back, John. Always good to see you, Paul. You too. Good. Always good to hear from you, Coach Marvin. Appreciate it. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. I'm going to have the Lions roster here. And this is we have time to obviously figure this out here. But all right, let me see here. I'm on OMG. You're talking about McNeil? Yes, Lee yeah, McNeil. He's the guy that I think is, is an interesting he's go there. He's probably not going to be straight up, though, against against Schmitz. He did play some nose to them last year. I Well, I don't know. Our lads are suggesting that Bugs is going to be the nose this year, according to their depth chart. I don't know exactly how that looks at the well, moment. You know, they set up those one-on-ones. They, can, they, guys they could. Can go they could. There, so. Yeah. It all depends how they guys line up. So um, it'll be interesting to see. 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, don't forget you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. Ryan in Illinois is up next. Hey, Ryan. Hmm. Hey, guys. What's going on? What's Hi. up? Um, I've got two things for us. Uh, first, a little comment about Daniel Jones, and then second, a question about the Cowboys game. So, firstly, I'd like to say that all offseason I've heard is the average depth of target from Daniel Jones just not deep enough. And while I totally get that, I want to point out that, like, when Jalen Hurts throws a bomb down to A.J. Brown for 75 yards, he doesn't really have to worry about the remainder of the drive turning the ball over. Daniel Jones needs to get some credit for not throwing interceptions when he has to throw so late in the game in terms of these comebacks. I just think that he gets criticized for the average depth of target, but then no one wants to point out that he's had to keep a clean game for for larger uh, time periods than, say, Jalen Hurts. Because when you're handing the ball off or running – you know, seven yards on each run. Like, you don't really have to worry about that sort of thing. So, Well, I, I think, Ryan, in fairness, I think we have linked the average depth of target with the reduction of interceptions a lot, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I guess, you know, I hear some friends. I hear people on ESPN Network. I shouldn't I shouldn't listen to them too much on that because I know, well, you know, the truth of it is that, you know, we really didn't have a true number one in any category, and hopefully we've solved that. So hopefully we'll see that go up. Hey, look, right. Bottom line, though, um, look, this is fair. For this offense to take the next step in the next level, the passing game needs to become a little bit more explosive and more consistent between the 20s. It has to. Because last year that. it was not – you know, you look at – and I would suggest you go listen to my interview with Warren Sharp uh, on Monday's huddle. And he brings up the point that Daniel Jones in the red zone last year might have been the most efficient quarterback in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Literally the most efficient mm-hmm. quarterback inside the 20-yard line. Then you have his running. 
But if you look at his passing outside the 20, the numbers are a little pedestrian. They, are, they don't jump off the page at you. Again, that's what they're asking him to do. You mentioned the wide receiver situation. All that stuff's fine. The offensive line protection, that's a factor there too. But again, if whatever the reason, the result is what the result is. If you want this offense to get into that 24-point-per-game type of category, which is where I think you want to be this year, mm -hmm. you need to have a more efficient and explosive passing attack outside the red zone. Ryan, I would add one more thing to your friends who ought to be critical of his average yards per throw. Uh, the coaching staff, Mike Kafka in particular, is more interested in winning games than scoring fantasy football points for those people out there who may have Daniel Jones on their team. How do you win more games, Paul? You win more games by scoring points. By scoring points. And if it and means, I, and, and if it means, and you're, how do you score more points? Well, you'd like to add some more explosive plays, but they already added. Go. They there already added three points per game to their team last year, and I'm asking them to do well, more more again this year. I mean, a big part of the reason that three points per game is because you weren't starting Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon for six games at the end of the year. That too. <laughs> that too. You know. But again, the point still holds. This coaching staff is interested in winning games, not helping fantasy football owners. And yeah, but both, but they've been know, very clear that a big goal this year is to have more they explosive have, plays. They I mean, have, they've said they, that. They have to do more of that. There's no doubt. There's no, there's no doubt. But if they determine that for some reason they can't get them, they'll go back to being conservative sure. because they need to win games. Absolutely. Well, you can't do something you're not capable of doing. Right. But, again, it's hard to be a, that type of offense you need to be to win consistently without having more explosive plays. And remember, by the way, part of the reason for his red zone success is because not only does he run the ball well, but the Giants yeah. ran the ball with Saquon a lot better oh, inside no. the red zone. Their running game inside the red zone was also was one of the marvelous. best in the league. It was fantastic. It was marvelous. Mm -hmm. No question. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. We totally hijacked the conversation. <laughs> Go ahead. No worries. Um, the question about the Cowboys game, comparatively, is on the defensive side. Do you think Deontay Banks is going to be kind of tossed into the deep end and just saying, I know he's gone up against, um, you know, the first team reps late, as of late, but do you think that Wink is going to give him a little bit of more zone and a little bit of cushion here? Or nope. is he going to say, hey, you're on that island, go do it? You don't know Wink very well, do you? No, <laughs> I, I think Ryan knows the I know answer to that. No, I, I could tell the Ryan asked that. Ryan knew the yeah. answer to that question before he even I asked it. Yeah. Last yeah. year... Last year he did switch to a little bit yes, he more did. zone when we were really, really, really thin. Yep, against. So I don't know yep, if he's going to say maybe true. I don't want to just absolutely kill him, kill him. So, yeah, no, know. you know what? <laughs> I, I, I don't. It's a good question. I don't. Here, here's the real thing, Ryan. That I think is interesting. Is Banks going to be the reason that they would play more zone, or is it the matchup that I talked about earlier? What if they can't find a slot corner, and you don't want to man up your mm -hmm. slot corner with Ceedee Lamb? Is that the reason why you maybe play a little bit more zone instead of a little bit more men in that game? Now, you're always going to play some man on third downs and stuff like that. Red mm -hmm. zone, you have to. But look, is there a possibility that if Wink gets there and he says, look, I can't trust my guys to cover, that I'll play a little bit more zone maybe? My guess is that he's going to... Wink is going to probably make his guys prove to him they can't do it before he pulls back from I it. I concur would, with that. Would be my guess. I would concur with that. And then the other part to this, too, and when we talked to, uh, to Mickey Spagnola from the uh, DallasCowboys.com mm -hmm. folks, uh, you know, he seemed to indicate that there was a little bit of question mark in terms of the offensive line in Dallas right now. They got some guys who are a bit nicked, and they got to figure out maybe if they're going to move one or two guys around. So depending upon what the Giants see and 
think that they're going to get that first week of the season and how they feel about their pass rush and their blitz packages, well, that will also alter how aggressive Wink wants to be with his secondary. Because if he has a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to get home quickly, he will be more daring. Yeah. He will. Okay? Thank you. All right. Cool. Thank you, Ryan. Well, Ryan, in the in the, in the the form, I think he told Pearson he wanted to ask about Deontay Banks, but then he never actually did. I know there's been a lot of discussion about that. He's given up some plays. I, I don't – people that I think have made that to be a little bit worse than what I've totally seen. Totally concur. Um, but I think he has been susceptible to some double moves specifically and things like that. But I think once he's locked in and he's kind of been on the receivers, he's been able to carry him. I just think he's, you know, learning playing a much more advanced route tree and offense than probably what he saw in his time in college in Maryland. Well, yesterday I thought he only got lost on one, one route yesterday where he gave up three or four yards on the route. And I'm I'm trying to remember who he who he was against on the play. Maybe I have yeah. it in my notes. And I think you made a really good point yesterday too, in that you really this can't do physical. your full press thing until the pads come on. So I, I think for much like I talked about with um, Schmitz, I think seeing what he does against Detroit next week, along with Hawkins, I think is also going to be very telling. Because they have to go up against Amon Ross St. Brown, who's a really good player, mm-hmm. and we'll see how those guys can cover him. Yeah, I did I did not jot it down. There was one completion against him yesterday where I thought, you know what, he gave up too much room on the on the catch. Other than that, I thought his coverage was solid. And again, if that's if, if the physicality, even though he's got terrific speed and he's got height and he's got length, we, we all know about that. And there has been no lack of speed. Like it's not, not like at guys, all. it's not like guys are running past him no, in they're a not. straight line. So I mean, I talked to him, in fact, before practice yesterday, and I laughed, and I said, pads today. He's like, oh, yeah, man, maybe I can't wait to get out there. I said, well, physicality. It's not that's, a bad invitation. Actually. Right? <laughs> I, sometimes I get him right. It's not bad. And he, and, and, and he was like, well, because, and I'll, I'll go back to my voice here, he's like, well, now I can get into guys. Right. And that's his primary tool. So let's see when he's jamming, when he's poking, when he's chucking, when he's nudging. Let's see how some of these guys work against him when he's allowed to use all of his tools. And same thing with Hyatt, by the way. How does he react to guys being no doubt. all their tools against him? Absolutely. And Tuesday and Wednesday in, in Detroit, we're going to be looking for that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and we get pads, I think, next. I don't think the next three practices are all pads. Pads are Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday, right? Yeah. That's what I thought, so... Make sure you go, guys. Check that out if you're coming out to practice. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my, my day. That's my day. 
Hey folks, the Giants official connected TV streaming app Giants TV brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV and the Giants mobile app. Let's go to Cliff in New York. He's up next. Hey, Cliff. Hey, guys. Thanks for everything. <clears throat> Uh, I wanted to talk about the offensive line, but since you mentioned explosive plays, I just wanted to say that I remember Dable being asked last year about what, what he wants from his receivers, and he said separation. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, and so, you know, uh, I'm just as thrilled by a 10-yard slant that goes a long way as I am from a bomb that goes, you know, 50 yards down the field. So especially if Sterling Shepard's on the field to block downfield and if everybody else can learn how to block like he does, downfield um the offensive line uh uh with, with schmitz um john michael um you know i noticed that i was glad to hear they were going to give him some work at guard uh and i think that was a, a an objective in this camp i don't think and, we've seen uh, him at guard in any of the team stuff right i know dable mentioned it but i'm with john i have not seen him take any snaps there during team drills so I, I think it's kind of a, a, a in the back of their minds that they may just want to give him a little of that flexibility, but I don't think we're going to see much time spent on that at all. They want to get him ready for opening day, hopefully, as a center. Well, frankly, he's got to win the competition at center. Right. Bredesen's, been a, Bredesen's done a nice job. So you don't want to give too many reps at guard for Michael Schmitz because that would be a detriment to him. That would be taking away oh, his no, opportunities. Not, oh, absolutely. Not yet. Not yet, but uh, you know, eventually. Sure. Because I, I was, I was thinking, as happy as I was to get him, um, you know, I, I, I was also remembering that it was not supposed to be a great year, great draft for centers, and that a lot of people had him as the second best. So, if that's the case, if there's nothing wrong with him showing some real value as a center, and then having somebody else come in down the line who's who's considered really something at center, you know, like a Hall of Famer, which Schmitz might become. I hope he can. But you know, if that, uh, I really liked hearing that that they're they're not uh, relying exclusively on that right now. I know they got to do the center thing, and and uh, um, I I I I would guess that Bredesen starts game one right now uh not exactly a bold prediction but if schmitz can beat him out that's great but i would mm -hmm. think the cowboys would be licking their chops to go against the rookie center cliff so, by the um, way i will say this just 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 very quickly i would be shocked if at any point in the next four or five years assuming schmitz is as good as we think he's going to be even if he's just a good nfl starter and not like a pro bowl or an all pro or whatever I, they're yeah. not they're not going to pick another center only player to play over him they, i don't think so either they would just pick guards I think, at least. Oh, okay. Schmitz, the, you know, he's not the biggest guy. You know, he's only just over 300 pounds. You don't see many guards that are just over 300 pounds. No. He's built oh, like a center. Oh, he'd be undersized yeah. as a guard. I, in my opinion, yes. Much undersized. Oh. Not just a little. This is why in this draft, Tipman was the guy who was Yeah, he was given, like 325, yes. I think. Yeah. Everybody said that if, first of all, half the people said Schmitz was the best center. Half the people said Tipman was the yep. best center. Mm -hmm. And right. the, the two biggest differences between the players I remember from the combine was Schmitz was the guy who had incredible football acumen. Very smart, has all the intangibles. Tipman was the guy who had more physical versatility. Because of his size and his boxcar frame, he could potentially be a guard. And those were the differences between the two guys. You like apples or you like oranges? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I, 
liked what Joe, I'm thinking in, uh, within the context of what Joe Shane said, said at his press conference, I loved hearing this. He said the objective is sustained success. That was music to my ears, boy. Because if you ask people what the objective is, they're going to say, oh, we have to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I'd like to win more than one, you know. And I, I'd, like to be, I'd like to be serious contenders for, for more than one. I'd like to see a run like we had from, you know, eight division championships in the row, you know, from the late 50s and the early 60s, and, and the run with Parcells, and the, the run with Coughlin that was cut short, in my humble opinion. Cliff, you know? in the salary cap era, you're asking for an awful lot. Now, Cliff, here's what I'll say. I, I think what you're looking for is develop a team where you're in the mix to win your division every year. And if you're in the mix to win your division every year, that gives you a chance to get a one seed, to perhaps get a bye. It gives you a chance to go deep into the playoffs. I'm not – look, and I know it worked for the Rams and to a lesser extent it worked for the Bucks. This all-in for one year, try-and-go for type of thing. To me, there's so much luck and random chance involved in winning Super Bowls with one-game elimination playoffs. Yes, I, yes. To, to your point, and I think this is the point you're trying to make, give me the team that wins between 10 and 12 games every year, is in the postseason, yeah, the and once you're in the there, yeah, yeah, right, right, you have a chance. Just get me into the tournament. Now, you can't just be a wild card every year because – because you need home games to get to the Super Bowl. Right. Not, not every team's going to be the 2007 Giants, right? So, or the right. 2000 and, um, yeah, the 2007 Giants. Mm -hmm. So, you have to be a little bit better than just, you know, that 9, 7, and 1, you know, 10 and 7 team every well, like, year. Like the Ravens, who are on the screen right now. If you have a team that's going to win between 9 and 12 games. Yeah. On, yep. a, on a relatively consistent basis, for the you've got a chance. Steelers with Roethlisberger. There you go. Same there thing. There you go. Mike right? Tomlin's Pittsburgh Steelers. What, as what have, consistently in the races you can what be. What have the Packers been since they had Brett Favre and Aaron yes. Rodgers? Like, be yes. that team. Right. Now, you might only get yes. one Super Bowl out of it, but you know what? It's really freaking hard to win Super Bowls, yeah. right? And not everyone is Patrick Mahomes. So that's what you got to do, and I think that's what Joe Shane wants to do. Get yourself in the tournament. Get yourself some home games in the tournament. Things bounce your way, and maybe things go right for you on one or two years over that eight- or ten-year stretch. And I think the goal is, and the most important thing, is that you have, and this is the most important thing to be that consistent. And think of all the teams we just mentioned, right? you got to have the quarterback. You need to have yeah. your quarterback to be consistent, to raise your level to a certain floor where it's going to be hard to dip below to like five or six wins. That's mm -hmm. what you need. And right. I think the Giants, since they just signed them, they think Daniel Jones can be that guy. We'll now see now that he's on the contract. Plus, they got themselves the other staples of a foundation of a playoff team. They've got the tackle in place, the mm -hmm. left tackle. Yep. They think they've got the right tackle in place, but he's still got to show a little bit. TBD. They still think they've got the cover corner of the future in uh, in Banks. Yep, TBD, but okay. that, that's the hope. And they still think they got the pass rushes of the future yep. in Thibodeau and Ojolari. Yeah, and and, well, and, yep. and you know what? I know he's not a primary position, but the way he, he's so good, Dexter Lawrence qualifies as a cornerstone player. He does. <laughs> right now he does. Right. In fact, he's not just I mean, a cornerstone. He's, he's two cornerstones. <laughs> Once you start paying someone over $20 million a year, guess what? They're a cornerstone yeah. player, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but all those years we would run into the Packers, 
It was like it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers. It was like look at these offensive and defensive lines they yeah, had mm-hmm, every sure. year. You know, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm thinking maybe a, a big uh, telling point is going to be. Like, I was really glad we got Glowinski last year. He was a solid player. He cost eight figures, didn't he? I think I think he was a pretty decent-sized contract. Yeah, he was and, like three and, years, uh, like like $14 million, yeah, $12 million, I, yeah, something well, like that's that. I forget a lot. the total. But, well, he's a starting offensive lineman. That's what they cost. No, he's fine. Right, but if, if somebody can beat him out, that would be – I mean, he's not considered elite, right? Mark Glowinski is going to be your – every of these Giant fans want somebody to beat Glowinski out. Guys, he's your starting right guard. It's not changing. He's solid. Okay. I don't want to take calls about solid. it anymore. And Cliff, this is not. An, I, I realize this isn't why you call it. I'm not kidding right. you. This, this is not addressed right. to you. But we've gotten this call many times on the show. Mark Lewinsky is oh, a starting right guard. No, no, it's it, quite oh, Cliff. Cliff you're fine. Don't worry. You're fine. It, I'm not mad at you. You're all good. But have we seen any player besides Mark Lewinsky take a first team snap at right guard? I guess not. Mm, we might have seen one or two snaps, but that's it. With the first team at right guard, I don't. First I haven't team? seen it. Second team. Yeah, second, second team. team. You're Not right. First second team. team. Second Mark team. Mark Lewinsky is the starting right guard. You're right. You're right. How old is he? 29. 29? Yeah, I don't, think, right. I don't think he's, I don't no, think he's, he's quite Thank 30 you, yet. But the, the, the point is, Glowinski is a solid, steady. He's fine. Solid, steady offensive lineman. Now, he had some moments last year that weren't great. He's 31. 31. Thank is you. Is he Pearson. that old? Yeah, so we were close. Wow. But still, 31 is right in your prime for an offensive lineman. He's fine. Uh, yeah. And he only has one more year left on his contract after this one. So. It's a, let, me, let me just say this. If he turns out, and this is in no disrespect to him, if he turns out by the middle of this season to be the, quote, weakest link of your starting five offensive linemen, you got a damn good offensive line. Yeah, I think that would be a really good situation for the Giants because that means Evan Neal has raised his level of play. Right. And, it means, and John and it Michael means Schmitz, or Schmitz was Brett really good. Bredesen have played right. well enough to be a good and receiver. And that Azuda, if he wins yeah. the left guard spot, is really good. And that's the thing. Like, we talk about the offensive lines in the right direction, but there's still a lot of questions that we don't have answered yet. You think you have the talented, high draft picks in place right. to do this, but they haven't done it yet. So that's still something that's we think the Giants have made the proper investments to get where they need to go, but is that going to be this year? That remains to be seen. To, we'll uh, to, see. to put that that whole gauging into perspective, let's go back to the 2007 offensive line or the 2011 offensive line, right? The weakest link on the 07 offensive line, and he was not weak, was Richie Soiber. I was going to say, it's probably Richie, right? Okay. I mean— Deal at left tackle. I mean, he's not really a left tackle, but well, yeah, uh, yeah. He was really no, good I, that no, year. Though, he was very right? good that year. So yeah. Richie would have been the weakest link. Well, you know what? He was an undrafted rookie free agent, and he was good. No, he was very good. Hmm? Okay, 2011. By the time they got to the second half of the season in the postseason, Kevin Booth was the center. David Boss had gotten hurt. Yep. Booth was the center. He was probably the weakest link on that line. And you know what? Though that 2011 line got a little leaky towards you. <laughs> It, but it was good enough to win. Sure. It was good enough to win. They kept Eli upright enough to win, and they did establish somewhat of a running game down the stretch. And you still had Snee and Kareem on the right yes. side, which was, which was important. And, and Kevin Booth did a solid job. In fact, I thought he was better than Boss mm-hmm. myself. And then Booth eventually moved to left guard, correct, once Dio moved out to left mm. tackle? For a lot of that year? End of that year? That's correct, Well, right? no. he No, that, the end of that year, Booth played center the whole way. Right. All the way, all the way through the playoffs, because Boss never, Boss never got the job back. So who, who was it like, when they had to move Dio out to left tackle when Beatty got hurt? Who was it left oh, guard? Oh my God! I'm trying to remember. That's why I asked the question, but I couldn't remember who the oh, left guard was. Oh, I'd have to go back and look at the play by play. I'll look it up. I'm, I'm actually curious. stumped. Two zero one nine three nine four five one. That Pearson, my computer went to sleep. Who's up next? 
We have Terrence in Virginia. Hi, Terrence. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, John, Paul. Happy football season. Hi. Hey, you too, Terrence. What's up? Oh, I just wanted to give out some kudos to uh, Paul and yeah. to the co- coaching staff. Wait, Paul and the coaching staff, are you putting them in the same category now? My oh my. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please do not elevate me to that level, okay? There's too much pressure in being a coach. I, I don't want it. Uh, I'll, I'll give Paul one kudo because the week after the Super Bowl, before the uh, took off the week, you expressed some umbrage at the idea of Tom Brady coming in into the booth. And I, apparently I'm the only one who heard it because I think I'm the only one who's bringing it up. In terms of being a broadcaster? Yeah, and I, I, think it was, I think it was more tongue-in-cheek at the time, maybe, but... Yeah, he, ex- he expressed, not outrage, but a little bit of offense at the idea of Tom Brady stepping right off the field and into the number one booth. Which he's, yeah. not, which he's not doing, by the way. He's actually taking the year off. I know. Okay. As it okay. turns out. But uh, I, I was just standing up for Paul at that. Well, thank you. Know, you. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not the only thing I've taken umbrage to in the last uh, 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would certainly be easier these days than the old days when you had to teach a coach how to sit in a chair, look at the camera with the red light, and read a teleprompter without sounding like he's reading a teleprompter, you know? Yeah. But on to the coaching staff. Go ahead. I think, I think we have the pr- perfect combination of teachers – which is the biggest part, a little bit of butt kickers and a little bit of head patters because they, they took guys off the field, off of the you know, Home Depot lot. And by the way, John, you were right. Booth did start at left guard in the Super Bowl. I thought he did. All right. And Boss was back, right? Boss came back. I, I could have sworn Booth finished it. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going crazy. No, no. Okay, I thought Booth finished out the postseason as the starter. That's my bad. No, that's okay. It's all good. Yeah, because Boss had a concussion. Wow. I remember something about the Giants that Paul did. This yeah. is like, a, I, I'm going to be very proud of this because Paul is a steel trap for this stuff. Mark that one down. I can't remember what happened a week ago with my two kids running around, but that 2011 left guard, let's do it. I could have sworn that Booth started the, the Super Bowl. No, it's all good. Okay. No, but Booth did at left guard. Yeah, but I right. thought he started at center. Okay, anyway. I guess I'm not on the air anymore. No, go yes, ahead, you go are, ahead, Terrence. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. You're, Terrence, you're on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, uh, kudos to the coaching staff and the medical staff, too. It seems like they gave guys like an extra week to where the player would feel, instead of just 90% back, to where the player would feel 99.8, you know, 99.9. Was that my imagination, or did they go like an extra, you know, week or two on some injuries where... You know, it's a four to six, and they took it to six to eight or something like that. I mean, honestly, this Giants medical staff has been the same core guys for basically as long as I've been here, give or take, with Ronnie Barnes. So I think they've handled things the same way they always have. And the Giants always err on the side of being conservative with this sort of stuff. So I don't think there was, in my opinion at least, I don't think there was much of a change there. No. And if you got a minute, I'd like, before this season gets rolling, I'd like to compare the last season to watching a series of sports movies, if I may. Okay. Uh, obviously, we start with draft day. First round was a real good round. When Shane started dra- moving back in the draft, I expected them to turn it into a number one pick this year, or at least a punt returner. And then we got the first eight games of the week were a combination of the Bad News Bears the Mighty Ducks and the Little Giants because we're knocking out the previous year's 
AFC and NFC top seeds from the playoffs by beating them. Okay. I mean, I was I was gonna you know get with Jonathan to print up the T-shirts, and we were gonna make some money on that T-shirts because I know he uh, mentioned these in uh, graphics or graphic designs. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the next eight games. Combination of slap shot, replacements, and on any given Sunday. Because on three given Sundays, we did enough to get to the playoffs. And on some of the other games, it looked like the other team was skating on Montreal Forum playoff ice, and we were skating on Madison Square Garden playoff ice. I don't know what that In means. the 70s. Okay. Well, the, the, the Garden ice was, uh, always, went to was Madison always bad. Square Garden in Garden the spring. Yeah, I know, I know, because yeah. of the circus and everything else. I get you. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. That this, Thank you, this, Terrence. Appreciate that. That whole film thing didn't didn't really register too well. like four movies for every single thing. Yeah, I just, that, wasn't, that wasn't really flowing too well. You have to commit to one movie and give me the reasoning for the one movie. That wasn't really flowing too well. It's like, you know, my you know my yesterday was like Saving Private Ryan, Gladiator, and Jurassic Park all at the same time. It's yeah. like, first of all, that seems like a pretty bad day. But... <laughs> <laughs> but Pearson, can you describe your last 18 holes of golf with movies for us, please? Uh, some kind of disaster movie. Um, <laughs> the Poseidon Adventure, day perhaps. Day after, day after tomorrow. The Towering Inferno. Day after tomorrow. That's oh my goodness. That's a rough one. All right. Next with Tin Cup and Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> so did you beat somebody up, or did somebody beat you up on the golf course? The golf course beat me up. Oh, okay. There we ah. go. I got you. Hopefully there weren't any alligators involved. No, no alligators. That's only for Paul's walks when we go down to Florida. In Jacksonville, particularly. Let's go to Scott, New Mexico. He's up next. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. uh, Before we go any further, my favorite sports movie is Field of Dreams, which has nothing to do with uh, football. No, I love Field of Dreams. I love Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. Major League is one of my favorites, so I love Major League. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mine's the natural. Uh, There you go. (laughs) Natural is good. Let's get back to football, fellas. (laughs) Okay. Um... One of the things that's kind of interesting, uh, first of all, I think everyone should watch that Warren Sharp uh, interview. It's very, very insightful. There's a lot of things I learned that I didn't know before. One of the curious things before I get is uh, the statistic that was really crazy is that if you have one 15-yard pass play, your chances mm-hmm. of scoring go from five percent to fifty-one percent. I think. Yeah, yeah I think it was. I think. I think. I think it was like eight times it went up or something like that. That was a stat yeah, that he just... dropped on us last year too. But yeah, if you have one fifteen-plus yard play in a drive compared to zero, your chance of scoring goes up literally exponentially. It's oh, it's right a ridiculous it. stat. Right. And by the way, 15-yard plays are actually more important than 20-yard plays when you do that metric, just FYI. Right. It was just uh, fascinating. And then the, uh, In fact, uh, he's offering both the Giants and the Atlanta Falcons for free to, do, uh, to just test out the book, and I thought that was a great idea to do. You know, I've the, already, the thing already you have to remember there is that if you get one of those plays, you've probably uh-huh. reduced your scoring drive by three snaps. And any time that you extend a scoring drive by X number of snaps, you're increasing the chances or the risk or margin of error that you'll have a right. holding penalty or a loss or a sack or a turnover. So any time that you can reduce the number of scoring plays in a drive, it makes perfect sense. Perfect right. sense. This is not something you know we should have to you know go to the moon to figure out. You'll have a better chance. Right. 
my main question has to deal with the safeties. Uh, right now, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's Pinnock, Belton, McKinney, uh, McCain, and the rookie, I guess, the various Owens. Or in the Don't forget McLeod's been working some at safety, too. Okay. Uh, one of the things, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things that, you know, Wink Martindale, defensive, he's going to blitz more. I think the safeties are really an important cog. And I was wondering, uh, we've, we assume that uh, Xavier McKinney will be obviously one of the starters. I didn't hear too much about Javarius Owens, although when he was at Houston, I saw some of his tapes and he looked really good. I don't know how he's done in practice, but who do you think, in your opinion, will be opposite McKinney? in regards to uh, who that second safety might be if I had to of the guess, people I've named. I think it's Pinnock, if I had to guess. If I had to guess right now, week one starter next to McKinney, I'd say Pinnock. To okay. this point, Pinnock has probably separated himself a little bit from the others. And I think Bobby McCain has a chance at that too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, well, he's got more experience. Especially if you have prob- questions in that slot spot, then he might find his way on the field because yeah. of his experience. They, they might look for the uh, the wiliness, the mm-hmm. veteran wiliness uh, over the physical stuff. But okay. again, I think you're way premature with the question. It's really yeah. up in the air. Okay. Uh, how, I'll, I'll end it on this. Uh, on Javarius Owens, has he shown anything at practice that would warrant him being on the team, or what? What was your opinion of him? And I'll be glad to take care of Thank you, Scott. Off the air, I guys. mean, to me, Owens is his best strength in college was coverage, and I think that's where he's best. I don't. We haven't seen him getting his hands on the ball a ton in, in camp so far. But it's tough with safeties. If quarterbacks don't throw in your direction, it's just tough for you to to, to make plays on the ball. Yeah. Like McKinney's got what his hand on what two balls throughout all the camp. It's not like safeties are always in the mix making these plays. Yeah, and remember something, without the contact, I mean, safeties like to hit guys over the middle to jar a ball free. Yeah. Well, you can't do that. And quite frankly, if you watch Tommy DeVito play quarterback, Paul, he checks down to the running back constantly. Yeah. And if he's checking down to the running back a lot, how is a deep safety going to make a play on the ball? It's just it's very difficult. The only thing I will say is that Owens has not been noticeable no, to me. he hasn't. Okay? Yeah. Pinnock has been the most noticeable yeah. of the safeties in the first six practices. That I would agree with, so I'll give him a half a foot ahead on of everybody else. Mm-hmm. But let's, again, let's see what happens over the next month. Yeah, that battle's not decided. No, not sure. at all. Could Belton beat him out? He could. Yep, Sing- good. Single game tickets are on sale right now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Go to Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. Last thing I want to do, Paul, we got about two minutes. We started about two minutes late. Sorry. No, no, no you're fine. It's not your fault we started okay. two minutes late. Um, so I went through it quickly, and I did a quick – I didn't do a 53-man roster, but I listed the guys that I feel really secure that are going to be on the team this year. I got to 41. I'm gonna. I'm just going to rapid-fire them off to you very quickly. You tell me if you think I'm wrong on any of these guys or if you would add anybody, Okay. You ready? Uh, I'll only give you a guy if I don't think he's okay, solid. fine. I think that's Perfect. the fairest way fine. to do this. Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Eric Gray, Matt Breda, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, Lawrence Cager, Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, John Michael Schmitz, Mark Lewinsky, Josh Azudu, Ben Bredesen, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Nacho Ashawn Robinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, Jihad Ward, and I put Tom and Fox in there. Mm-hmm. Bobby O'Karake, Darian Beavers, and Micah McFadden. Adoree Jackson, Deontay Banks, Trey Hawkins, Cordell Flott, Nick McLeod, Xavier mm. McKinney, Dane Belton, Jason Pinnock, Bobby McCain, then Graham Gano, Jamie Gillen, Casey Kreider. That got me to 41. 
Okay. The guys that I might waffle with you a little bit. McLeod. Okay, I might waffle okay. with you on McLeod. He was, he, he was my last one to get to 41. Fair and enough. by the way, I like what he's done in the offseason, but I I'm not sure. I think he's so versatile. I think Wink's going to want him on the team. I think he probably will too. But And you McFadden's know, gotten run with the ones, which is why I put it on there. I mean, I, who, who's the other inside linebacker you're going to keep? I think at the, at the moment, it's very hard to, to make an argument there. I don't necessarily think that if there was competition, I would feel the same way. And I also, well, yeah, but I'm just looking at who's on the roster. I know, I know. And I would be, I think Lawrence Cager has kind of, I would be surprised if he's not on the final 53 at this Cager's point. Cager's had a very good offseason. Yeah, I agree. And he's like the Waller backup. He's done a marvelous job. Right. I'm very happy right. for so him. So who else would you have a question about? Uh, believe it or not, I might question Matt Breida. Really? I think Gary Brightwell and James Robinson have, uh, we know Gray's on the team, and we know Barkley's on the team. Yep. How many backs are you keeping? Four? Yeah, I know, but Brady's still the first one off, and he'll get runs with the ones. I know. I know. I think they still like Brightwell, and he still has kickoff return capability. Remember, they didn't draft Brightwell, though, this group. I know that, but they do like him. I know. And he does have kickoff return ability, and... James Robinson has shown me a little something since he's been here this week. No, I think so too. He's shown th- me something. I think he's looked okay. So if it, I think it's three backs for two spots. So the so the big. So sp- I don't know if Breida is is solid. I don't know. Fair enough. So these are the big spots where I still have competition. We're not going to go through all the guys, but these are just the spots. You're assuming you're keeping six wide receivers. Who your other two wide receivers you're keeping? Right, Shepard, yeah. Beasley, Colin Johnson, James and Crowder, and Bryce Ford Wheaton are the guys that kind of have in the mix there. A lot of yeah. them. So a lot of competition. Still yeah. There. Do you keep a fourth tight end? If you do, I think it's Tommy Sweeney, but I don't right. know if you keep a fourth. I don't think you do. Who's your swing tackle? Tyree Phillips, Matt Parrott, Corey Cunningham. I would put Tyree Phillips on top of that list right yes, now. Yes, I agree. But I wouldn't put him in ink. Nope. Um, interior offensive line, after those first four, you might be able to keep one more guy inside, possibly. Lemieux, Jack Anderson, McKeithen. Those are the guys I had in the mix kind of yeah, for that. Yeah, McKeithen's Jack health Anderson. really causes an issue Correct, there. correct. Agreed. And you had somebody else you mentioned earlier, too, uh, Ashawn Robinson. Yeah. I'm very, very leery about giving him an inked-in spot at the moment for week one because he hasn't done much. Yeah, he's got a big salary, though. Could he be PUP? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Man, maybe. Then Ryder Anderson, Jordan Riley. Can you keep both those guys? I got Ryder Anderson on the team. He's ahead of Riley. He, he's the next guy I have. So I'm kind of in agreement there. There's O'Shane Zimenez. He's had a couple nice days of practice. I'll tell you what, he days. had a good one yesterday. He did. It was so, it was for him, it was a really nice do one. Do they keep five edge players? Because he would probably be the fifth edge guy. I concur with that. Um so that's a possibility. These inside linebackers are special teams, right? Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, and then their rookies, Troy Brown and Deontay Johnson. Which one of those guys can help on specials? I don't have a good enough feel for that yet. I no. gotta watch the preseason games for that. I agree. Um, cornerbacks: Amani Oruariwe and Darnay Holmes. Those are two guys that I did not list on my roster. I think those are the next two up, assuming Aaron Robinson starts on PUP. Those are the next two guys up for me at corner. But I already have five. Does Does Hawkins have a chance to sneak in there for you? Oh, Hawkins. I had Hawkins listed. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I missed you yes. saying him. No, I already had Hawkins. Okay. He's on. Okay. I mean, he's getting reps at the starter. I know. He's gonna be I know. A, he, I, he has to be on the team. Um, and then, see, the economics of Holmes is, is also going to be a factor. It's the same conversation we had with Darius Slayton last year. 
Yeah. And Slayton earned his way on, and it was well worth it, which is why it's a conversation. Though we had to take a pay cut. I know. And the economics may come into play with yep. Holmes. Uh, again, it depends if anyone else steps forward and tries to wrestle that spot from yep. him. Right now, nobody's done it. And then safety, Javarius Owens was the fifth guy that I had on my list as someone that has a shot. But, you know, I think he has to figure it out. <sighs> Just yeah. has a shot. So I had 41 in black on my sheet in ink where I think are on. And then okay. I had 23s in re- 23 guys in red for maybe. So that puts you at 64. So you got to pick 10 out of those 23 maybes to get to 53. Here's the or good 12 news. 12 out of the 23. Here's the good news. And I talked to someone in the personnel department the other day. And I said, look, uh, I'm going to be totally frank with you. I'm looking at this 90. And no matter what 53 you finally decide to keep, the guy who's number 53, you're still going to be okay with him if he's got to go in and play a game. Yeah. You're still going to be okay. You're not going to be cringing and saying, oh, if guy number 45 or guy number 51 or guy number 53 has to play, we're going to be worried about him. That's not going to be the case this year. This is not going to be a deal where they're signing five guys after cutting no. to fill out the roster. No. I would be very surprised by that. Absolutely not. And, and quite frankly, undrafted rookie free agents, guys in years past, you've always had a chance to make it here. This year, this roster is tough. Yeah, the only, this roster is tough. Ford only, Wheaton. That's the only guy I have on my list. Is the only one of those guys in my mind who has a sniff of a chance yeah. to make it. And maybe if they really like one of the inside linebackers or special teams, I think they have a shot. Potentially, I guess. They have a shot. We just don't know anything about special teams. And again, right we, have, now. we have to see how they line up in special teams for the preseason games, and that gives you a lot of hints about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Until we see that, it's going to be hard for us to make calls on special teams. Yeah. Guys. Good program, John. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, good, good one. stuff. Paul Dettino, John Schmelk, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thank you to Pearson. Thank you to our callers. We'll do the sports movie marathon next time if we have a slow day. We thank you, Terrence, for those for that input. I'm all joking, Terrence. We love you. I'm just I'm just teasing you. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. That's uh, Lance and Casillas, and then I am back on Friday. I think that's with you. Maybe not. I'm with somebody on Friday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, I don't know. Eh, well, the schedule is all, the problem is that with this new wall thing, I don't have my schedule here to look at it. That's anymore. true. So I'm never going to know who's on. We're the just next taking show. it day I'm by just day. Throw random we're names just, at we're just taking it day by day. It's perfect. That's all. There'll Thanks, be somebody everyone. here. That's, Bye. That's true. See you tomorrow. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 